0: Hi, this is Chris McGregor of Discerning Hearts. Can you please help support this vital ministry? Discerning Hearts is a 100% listener-supported Catholic apostolate. Now through the end of August, please prayerfully consider making a sacrificial gift to help us raise $30,000 to fund truly life-changing Catholic programming and prayer. The financial contributions of listeners like you enables us to continue this important ministry. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Your donations are fully tax-deductible. As an independent, non profit lay organization that is not affiliated financially with any diocese, our apostolate is fully listener-supported. Again, between now and the end of August, please visit DiscerningHearts.com to make your donation. Thank you, and God bless you, from all of us at Discerning Hearts. DiscerningHearts.com presents Inside the Pages, Insights from today's most compelling authors. I'm your host, Chris McGregor, and I am delighted to be joined by Father Bryce Higginbotham, who is the author of Daily Lessons from the Saints and author of numerous articles and homilies in Homiletic and Pastoral Review. He has more than 60 catechetical videos, which can be found on his YouTube channel as well as on his Facebook page. With Father Bryce Higginbotham, we go inside the pages of Remaining with Jesus, Discipleship in the Gospel of John, published by Loyola Press. Father Bryce, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Uh, thank you, Chris. It's great to be here with you all.
0: I've been looking forward to talking to you about Remaining with Jesus, Discipleship in the Gospel of John. It's such a lovely work. It's my favorite gospel. I mean, first I got to say, how can you have a favorite gospel? And yet, for the Gospel of John, there's something so tender and special about this particular work that I'm just so grateful that you chose this as something to explore.
1: Well, the Lord is good. Right? He gives us four gospels to give us various perspectives on Jesus and not not differences, but like God, there's a, uh, there's a line that I love. I think it's in first Corinthians, which talks about how the Lord reveals to us the many sided wisdom of God. I said, if we like we look at Jesus from the perspective of St. Mark, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and we see a particular like shade or a particular side of his glory and of who he is. And then from the perspective of St. Luke, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and we see a particular revelation, a way that God is revealing himself to us. So I think it's really beautiful and a gift that the Lord has given us these four Gospels. We can see him more clearly through looking at him from these four different directions. I think it's a gift, but yeah, I mean, I think I think John is my favorite too, because, well, I don't know, it's, it's just a particular way that that way that God reveals himself or the parts about himself that he re- chose to reveal through John, like, speaks to me, at least in a particular way.
0: He is the beloved disciple, isn't he? I mean, the one who was able to rest his head on the heart of Jesus mm-hmm. and to listen very deeply, even so much that the Lord would give His mother to his care while on the cross. And so, can you imagine what it must have been like for the woman who knew our Lord so intimately and this beloved disciple as they shared and they pondered and they ruminated over all the events that had occurred in their lifetime and their experience of Jesus? And you have to think sometimes, don't you, Father, that Marian dimension is very evident in the Gospel of John?
1: Yeah, I think of what John says after Jesus gives Mary to him from the cross, and he took her into his own. I think John Paul II like, makes a big deal out of that, because it's, it's right. Like, it, it doesn't just mean that he took her to his house, though he did, but it means like that he took her, so to speak, into his heart and learned, learned from Mary how to be a disciple, learn from Mary, how to be a priest, how to be a bishop. So yeah, it's uh, John gives us an example of learning from Mary and he did that. Clearly he did that because he clearly learned from her how to, p- to ponder all these things in his heart. And I think that's why, part of the reason at least, John's gospel is so different from Matthew's, Mark's, and Luke's because John had more time. Right? He wrote his gospel last, after the others had been written. He probably read the others, and he had spent all this time with Mary and with the, the rest of the scriptures, pondering these things in her heart, so that he could then give us this particularly deep look into the life of Jesus. And even at the beginning, in, in the first 18 verses of John, where he gives us this, the look into the life of Jesus with the Father before creation and after creation before the incarnation.
0: It is so fitting then to have the gospel of John, the the beloved disciple, the apostle who knew him so well, to help give us a guide in that discipleship. And that's Mm -hmm. what you really bring forward. It is so penetrating just how you've led us into that opportunity to become that type of disciple.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we're, we're really blessed that John led us. The Holy Spirit led John. John led us. And, you know, all that I had to do and praise God, I was able to, to to do it and was just bring out what John himself was saying. Because he talks about discipleship more than any other than any other book in the in the New Testament or the Old Testament, the other book in the whole Bible. A discipleship is more pronounced in the gospel of John than anywhere else.
0: And you also point out that in the gospel of John, that there are two words. Now they're popping more than ever for me as I go back and I read the Gospel of John, which I try to do very often during the week, actually. And it's the two words, believe and remain. Mm-hmm.
1: Where I started with the research of this, I just want to know what it meant to be a disciple, because clearly we're supposed to be disciples. There are lots of good books about discipleship, but there there were none that, that I found that sufficiently engaged the Bible. So like, what does the Bible tell us about about discipleship? So I found out that I looked at where discipleship was used in the Bible, and I found out that John talks about discipleship more than anybody else. And so I said, Well, I guess the best thing to do is to, to open up the concordance, the thing that has all the words from the Bible and where you can find them, and then just look at every time the word disciple is used in John, all 72 times. So I found I found John 8:31 where Jesus says. To the Jews who, who had believed in him, there is so there's the people who already believed in him. He says, if you remain in my word, you are truly my disciples. I said, oh, so first you have to believe, then you have to remain, and that makes a true disciple. Then I just went back through the gospel and found all the times where believe and remain and discipleship are used kind of in some way together by John to bring out what it means to be a disciple.
0: What I found really surprising, it was kind of an epiphany for me when you broke open the, was it the Greek word for believe? Piscio-o? Thank you for pronouncing it for yep. me. <laughs> Say it one more time, will you, Father? Piscio-o. Because it has another meaning as well that will pop for us, I think.
1: Yeah, it's the, the same word in Greek for believe and for trust.
0: The reason I think that's so important is because When you think about those church-approved apparitions of our Lord, really, there are only a few of them, but almost in every instance, he's imploring us to trust him, you know, Mm -hmm. in the sacred heart, in the revelation to St. Faustina. The message he has is, trust me. Mm -hmm. And so when you connect those two words, believe, trust, they are more than married, aren't they?
1: Yeah, it seems to me that in English, when we say believe, we mean like something we do with our minds. And when we say trust, we mean something that we do with our hearts, more or less. But when Jesus says, "pistuete," believe, when he tells us to believe, or when he tells us to trust, I think it means both. I think it's an integrated, and I know I know that it's an integrated expression that Jesus invites us into, to believe in our heads, yes, and to trust in our hearts. And, and those things need to be, has to be together.
0: This is just some of what is contained in your book, Remaining with Jesus, Discipleship in the Gospel of John. I want to say it over and over again, because this book, we're going to dive more into it, but it's just so perfect for the study of the Gospel of John. It really is. I mean, even the layout that you have, as far as the encouragement of times of reflection, even as opportunities to have group study, and when we talk about group study, the family is still a group. I mean, this mm-hmm. is good for yes. families to get together and to break open and I think you could probably do this at just about any age, couldn't you? Just about, yeah, I think so. For that I just again I want to encourage folks to to check out remaining with Jesus discipleship in the Gospel of John because in it you also talk about the dynamics of discipleship and you point out four very important signposts I think at, on this journey and mm-hmm. it it could be a little bit more I mean each it has so much contained in it but there mm-hmm. are four basic elements aren't there Yeah
1: so we see it at the at the very beginning of the gospel John the Baptist he points out that Jesus is there he says he says behold the lamb of god and notice that he, that actually happens twice I, I I found that that a little interesting that he says it one day, behold, the Lamb of God, and kind of nobody does anything. Then the next day, Jesus passes by again, and he says, behold, the Lamb of God. And it's at that point that Andrew and John said, oh, well, we, we, need, to, we need to go follow him. So there's a, most of the time, there's a witness. Somebody, somebody's got to tell us about Jesus. And then after somebody tells us about Jesus, like John the Baptist told Andrew and John, uh, like Philip. Went and told Nathaniel just a couple of verses later at the beginning in John chapter one. Somebody tells us about Jesus, and then we go and we meet Jesus for ourselves. And when we encounter Jesus for ourselves, we begin to we begin to believe in Him. I believe in those two ways that we talked about earlier, and to believe in the intellect and to trust in in the heart. But believing believing isn't enough because believing has to, or rather, relationships need time and relationships need to persevere. And almost always on this side of heaven, right in this valley of tears in which we live, almost always there are challenges and tests and trials to do. Do I really trust? Like how deeply do I trust? And we have to remain with Jesus in those trials. And oftentimes remaining looks like standing there and not going anywhere. Like John and Mary and Mary Magdalene and the other holy women at the foot of the cross. And just being there and not moving in the midst of in the midst of the trial and the suffering. And when we are remaining with Jesus, like the branch that remains on the vine, then we bear fruit. Uh, and that fruit looks like practically loving people. We build up the church. We in other words, we encourage people in the community by our prayer, by our mortifications, by our practical efforts. And it it becomes a cycle because the best way, the biggest way, the most important way that we love people who are outside of the church is we witness to them about Jesus. We tell them, hey, behold, the Lamb of God. Hey, this is what Jesus did in my life. This is what we do. Um, So the witness moves us to meet Jesus where we believe, believing in him. We begin to remain with him by believing through time, especially through struggles, trials, tests, difficulties. And then that remaining bears fruit in practical love.
0: Yeah, you hear so often. I am the vine; you're the branches. Remain yes. in me. That's I am recalling the words of a, a little Carmelite who became a saint, Saint Elizabeth of the Trinity. That's one of the first things she implores in her great uh, retreats that she offers us: is to remember, remain in me. And I, I think sometimes that's very difficult to. <laughs> To stay in that place because of those types of trials, if you're not anchored again in that belief, that trust, and that can only grow in a relationship with an encounter with Christ, can it?
1: Hmm. Yes, exactly.
0: So, Father, when you were exploring this in the, in the Gospel of John, it hits me that as you said in the beginning, Andrew and Philip. Heard it first, but they didn't respond immediately. When we're trying to witness, or we, I don't know if you can try to witness, you just have to witness, right? There is no trauma. I only do. Sometimes it can happen very quickly when you encounter another, or sometimes it can take almost a lifetime, can it?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that we have to not be, as we are preaching the gospel, and we have to not be discouraged if. Somebody doesn't listen the first time. You know, John did John the Baptist, I mean, he didn't change his message. He didn't change even his approach. He just kept saying, Hey, like this is the Lamb of God. So he was in relationship with these men, with Andrew and with John. They were already his disciples. And he just continued to point out the Lord. So sometimes like we can be tempted. Well, we well, people are not listening. So we've got to change stuff. And it's true that some things sometimes need to change, right? Uh, St. John Paul II told us about the new evangelization, which is new in order. So we have, sometimes we're like, oh, people ain't listening because we're not fiery enough, like because they don't see it in us. And so we have to recommit. Uh, St. John Paul II said that the new evangelization is, uh, is new in method, I think is what he says. So sometimes we have to change our way of expressing the gospel because it's, oh, like people aren't understanding it the way that I'm saying it. Well, let me, say, let me say the truth in another way that's not changing the truth, but that they might understand it. Even though we might have to look back into ourselves and say, oh, like, am I sufficiently on fire? Like, do I need to repent or do I need to spend more time with Jesus? Um, the answer, which is probably yes, always. And sometimes you might need to look at our methods and say, is these, are these methods still appropriate for the particular context that I'm living now? The, my, the, my place in the world, my place in time, whatever. Although we might have to do that, the simple thing, to always continue proclaiming the gospel. And some of the seed is going to fall on difficult ground, but some of the seed is going to fall on good ground. And so we just, yeah, we just, we just keep doing it. And while we persevere in in that proclamation, and that's part of remaining with Jesus too, is uh, the word for remain and the word for persevere in Greek are very, very, very closely related. So we just persevere in proclaiming the gospel with, with charity.
0: Because I think it's important, too, we hear in this Gospel of John, especially in chapters 14 through 17, the mm-hmm. wonderful priestly prayer, the time right yes. before the Passion, right? Mm-hmm. And he's reminding them that I am in you. The Father and I mm-hmm. are one, and I am in them. St. Mm-hmm. Paul will articulate it, that it's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me becomes their dwelling in us because of that great response that we have, right, to that ascent that says yes. And in our Mm -hmm. baptism, we have to encounter that first, don't we, for him in us uh, to really allow it for him to shine through us in that witness. So it's not necessarily our work, but it's him working through us, right?
1: Yeah, like James talks about how the... God and us work together and that's what we do. We allow the light of Christ to shine through us. Jesus says somewhere that John was a bright and shining lamp. I remember in college, the priest at the University of Louisiana, he said, he used it, he said it this way. He said, well, uh, Jesus is the light and I am the lamp. So I got to be a good lamp. The the glass on the outside, the lamp's got to be clean. The glass has to work right, to keep the wind from burning out the life of Christ in me, like by mortal sin. But I, I'm the lamp, and my job is to be a good lamp, and Jesus' job is to is to be the light.
0: Oh, I like that. That's a great way to describe it, because then it doesn't become something where we're being self-reliant to the mm-hmm. extent that it's all our work. No, mm-hmm. it's his work, but he's working through us. And we may end up in that witnessing having to endure suffering to a certain extent. But even in that, he's the one that's carrying us through it. You're not alone Mm -hmm. in it. So there's a kind of joy that you experience even in that suffering. And that sounds very odd to the world, doesn't it?
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, it does. I I tell you what, I am understand the gospels more the more that i preach the more that i write and the more that i look at nature so for example i grew up living next to my parent my godfather and um they had some uh some crepe myrtle trees which once a year bloom like this beautiful like these beautiful flowers and then they get all of your and stuff and you don't like them for a while but when they bloom these beautiful flowers and every winter my parent my godfather he would go outside and he would cut those crape myrtle trees down to nothing. Right? He would prune them and, and it, they were—they looked like there was nothing there. But then the next year, they were bigger and more beautiful when it was time to bloom. And today, when uh, we pay a lot less attention to, to nature, we are even less able to see the spiritual reality And that, yeah, like the suffering is hard and the suffering is hard to understand, but everywhere in this whole entire world after the fall like the the goodness like comes through the suffering like for another example that the scripture uses jesus uses it and paul uses it is like the birth of a child it's so so much suffering and so much difficulty for a mother in in the birth of a child but wow it's like it's like the best of natural things that there is
0: We'll return to Inside the Pages in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app where you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Monsignor John S. Of Deacon James Keating, Father Donald Haggerty, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more. They're all available on the free Discerning Hearts app. Over 3,000 spiritual formation programs and prayers all available to you with no hidden fees or subscriptions. Did you also know that you can listen to Discerning Hearts programming wherever you download your favorite podcasts, like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or even on Audible, as well as on so many other worldwide platforms. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has a YouTube channel? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts Catholic Podcasts dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. A prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Take Lord and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen.
1: Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to
0: make your donation. Thanks and God bless. We now return to Inside the Pages. Well, and everyone's journey is very different. Everyone's journey on that path of discipleship. But it it has some basics to it that I thought was really interesting when you Mm. just dove into the woman at the well and then pondered Mm. that particular section where you talked. In her particular case, you were able to identify that increasing belief of hers Fotina mm-hmm. is the mm-hmm. name that is ascribed to her, at least in the Catholic tradition. And that even though all of us have a unique path, there are some elements that we might be able to identify with her.
1: Yeah, I think that the most important thing, which I wrote in the book, is not the specific like stages of mm-hmm. Fotina's belief, though those are helpful. And we're going to identify with some of them. So those, so I, I wrote them because I think they're important, uh, and I think they're helpful for us. But even more helpful, the most important thing is to note that in fact there are stages. And when Jesus, like when Jesus says, this is in Matthew, but still, when Jesus says, "Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect," he doesn't say, "Be perfect yesterday," as your heavenly Father is perfect. He, he doesn't say, "Like be perfect." right now as, as as your as your heavenly Father is perfect, but rather like he is I, I'm quite convinced um, because of the taking the gospel all together in context, I he, he is inviting us in steps like to that perfection. so even if like Fotina uh, even if our belief is not too strong and even if it's hard to trust to believe in Jesus or if it's hard for us to trust in Jesus, well, well, well. We take the next step, and we take a step forward, and we ask Jesus for the grace. You know, Chris, I've been uh, very convicted over the past couple months by the Lord's command: "Ask and you shall receive; seek and you shall find; knock and the door will be open to you." Because I don't think I do that enough, and I don't think that we do that enough. So if uh, if I'm having trouble. I believe in, in Jesus or trusting in Jesus in some way. Well, the first thing to do is to ask if maybe I'm not having trouble, but I just want to grow in the faith. Well, we can listen to, to good radio shows and podcasts and read good books and all this stuff. And we should do all those things. The first thing we should do is, is ask. Ask because our father cares about us. And and we noticed that Putina in, in her case, she grew in the context of relationships. She wasn't trying to do this on her own, but no, actually she couldn't do this on her own. She had to encounter Jesus and in relationship with Jesus, in conversation with Jesus, and that's what prayer is. Right? It's conversation with the Lord. That's where she grew. Um, so we ask and we listen, uh, and then we do the work that we're supposed to do to cooperate with God, like we just like we just talked about a few minutes ago, and and we grow. And we end up, if we do that faithfully, because God loves us and God provides the grace, and then we end up becoming saints. And that's that's the goal.
0: Yeah, I think I, I really like that. You know, that perseverance in prayer, that ask, seek, knock, and mm-hmm. the door will be opened. And you highlight that, too, in the section on John chapter 9, where that perseverance mm-hmm. will lead to devotion. And I'm thinking more of the devotion that St. Francis de Sales speaks of. That devotion that leads to the the transformation of the interior life and the worship of God, and that humility, that seeking, that he's ever present in our minds and in our hearts. But it has to begin with that perseverance, doesn't it, for most of us?
1: Yeah, because when we I, I think that's I think that's one of the reasons why the Lord allows allows difficulties and, and sufferings in our lives. Because when we have moments of deep suffering, we have no choice but to continually go to him, to continually to beg him for help, to continually to ask him. I mean, we do have other choices, but no other good choices. So in moments of, in times of deep suffering, our only good choice is to continue to beg the Lord for grace. And what that does is that, that gets us into a habit of going to the Lord. And so when we come out of the time of dryness and prayer or the time of exterior suffering or however that trial, that cross has been given to us, when, when we come out of that, then I, I think the idea is that we have now formed a habit of continually going to God. And so when we walk outside and the weather is beautiful, we say, like, Lord, Lord, thank you. Or when we walk outside and the, and it's raining and we don't want to deal with the rain, we say, oh, Lord help me with the rain and I'm sure somebody needs it. Thank you in that in that respect. It it they provide us a time of persevering or rather building a habit of continuing to go to the Lord. I mean that that becomes a lot of what remaining with Jesus is is simply recognizing that because I have been baptized, praise God, because I am in a state of grace, praise God, then like the Holy Spirit dwells in me, like God dwells in me and i just be i'm just to be like conscious of this amazing unfathomable reality to thank him to talk to him to glorify him to ask him for what i need
0: yeah i think that's so important too when we talk about especially in that glory that it, we have the realization that well you know praise you god for this day and praise you for even the things that I may not like, but as you said, you look to the needs of others who he may be benefiting and blessing with, you know, if in this case, rain or whatever that might be. And ultimately, that leads us to the understanding of what love is, because yeah. love is yeah. that continual sharing. Well, actually, it's the Trinity, isn't it? That the Father mm-hmm. who is love, it's John again, who tells us well, who is God, mm-hmm. God is love that love by its very nature has to be shared. Of course, the son, of course, because the father is love and love is shared. And so he shares it with the son and the son shares it back to the father and that back and forth and there's the Holy Spirit. And out of that, they create and they want to share with us that love. Mm -hmm. So they reach out to us and they share it with us. But it's meant also to be shared with those around us to bring them us all in. It's it's a very dynamic action, isn't it?
1: That and that is very important. The dynamism, the dynamic part of of discipleship, like it's not just me and Jesus alone. It has to be and should be me and Jesus alone, like Mother Teresa talked about, right? Where we encounter Jesus in deep and intimate communion, especially uh, in front of the Blessed Sacrament, like with Him, really, truly. Sacramentally present there, body, blood, soul, and divinity. But that an authentic encounter with Jesus, an authentic relationship with Jesus leads out to bearing fruit. And that's the, the dynamic, right? It leads out to witnessing to others and to serving others. And then that, the witnessing and the serving of others, like leads back into prayer, right? where I, I go out and I serve and I'm doing that with the Lord, but I'm a little less conscious of the Lord just because. I'm a human being, right? And my attention can only be in so many places at one time. So I'm serving and witnessing like with Jesus and he is there, but I'm more focused on the people who are in front of me. And then I come back to my prayer time, like with me and Jesus alone. And he and I talk about what was going on and what we saw and what we did together and what he was doing and that. Yeah. And then, well, exactly. It becomes it's dynamic where the relationship with God and the relationship with others. It goes goes back and forth.
0: And I think that is an important element of that whole surrender to witness. Because, you know, allowing ourselves to get out of the way and to let love, God, God is love, to communicate to others in our actions and our words and to respond to the those in need that are placed right in front of us. And when that doesn't shine through, a lot of times that "Quote unquote," witness can fall flat, and I guess where I'm leading with this, Father Bryce, is that I just recently saw a study, a very sad one, that said that 79% of those who will leave the Catholic faith will do so before the age of 23, Hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's so such a compelling thing to have to really kind of wrap our minds and our hearts around what is it that didn't witness clearly that love to those particularly the the young in their formation or their experience of christ were they given something that was just more ahead but didn't foster that belief that trust somewhere in the heart does that make sense
1: yes i'll tell you chris if if it wasn't if it wasn't for one person in my life when i was a teenager I would probably be one of those people. So I, I don't know. I don't know everybody's story. And uh, and I don't know what brings everybody to lead. But I know for me, I was a, a young teenager and I had a lot of questions about the faith and how does the faith make sense and, and what's going on here. And nobody can answer my questions. And I was beginning to be very, very disillusioned. Like Well, like. If nobody can answer my questions, then I should just go, like, search after pleasure and power. Because right? that's a lot more fun. Like, nobody can explain to me why should I, I should do all these Catholic things. And then, priest God, somebody ended up in my life through a crazy set of circumstances who could answer all of my questions. And who was willing to, like, engage me intellectually uh, about the faith. And so then I was willing, like, to give more of a shot. I guess now I've been Catholic all my life. I went to mass every Sunday and I tried to pray and all that. But like this this person who came into my life like began to talk, to teach me about the faith and then that that eventually led to my experience and realization like oh cool. Well, yeah, I don't want to go search after pleasure and power because actually that's not a lot more fun. Um I mean there's there're nice things uh there're pleasurable things at the moment but Actually, no, like those things are not more fun, but actually like this life as a Christian is the best life that there is. So for me, it was that like nobody can answer my questions. And when somebody did like that, that changed, that changed everything.
0: And even the time that this person took for you mm-hmm. to actually yes. not just hear what you were asking, but to listen to what mm-hmm. you were saying, there is a difference. In you're identifying that need of that person in front of you to say wherever you were at. And I bet you that person just being in their presence, you felt something too, didn't you?
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the person was both was both interested uh, like he was he was interested in me and was able to to provide the answers. And and we have to have and we have to have both. Um, I, I think that this is just this is just my opinion from. My little bit of experience, I think when we do like youth formation or youth ministry or CCD or paraschool or religion or whatever you call it in your, in your diocese, I think we got a lot of people who actually inter- I think we have a few people who think that that the world 's all gone down and they need to tell young people what 's for, and that that 's going to make things better. I think we have a few people like that. I think most of the people are people who actually care about the young people, but don't know how to talk to them and don't know any theology to explain anything to them. Now, I love all those people and I'm glad that those people have generous hearts, but frankly, it's not enough. Like That that doesn't help people. Most people stay in the faith. And then we have a few people who are both interested in the young people and who are intellectually prepared. And that's what we need. I, we need to get the people who are interested we need to get them intellectually prepared. We need to provide resources so that they can be intellectually prepared and have people ministering to our young people who are both invested, who are, first of all, living as disciples of Jesus themselves. Second of all, as a fruit of that, invested in the lives of these young people. And third of all, intellectually prepared to serve these young people like in the way that they need to be served. And I, I, I think we've been failing as a church in providing that for our young people and we very much need to improve there
0: yeah i think that's really key because as you were speaking i was going back to the very beginning of the book where you talk about those four points and what Mm -hmm. you just described in that your own the core of believing and remaining in jesus and that journey is that you have to believe so the person who came to you had that fundamental belief they had a personal encounter with Jesus. Whatever your question might have been, it allowed Jesus, who was remaining with that person, to be able to respond to whatever it was that you were questing for. They had it only because they had him first. Mm-hmm. And then they, they remained with you. They, they loved and cared enough to even take the time. To be present to you. Yeah, to be present. That can be for the person who is out there being the disciple, being the evangelist. That can be a form of suffering in some ways because you have to die to what you were going to do that day Mm -hmm. or what you were going to believe. And that whole structure that you have in the beginning of the book, that can apply to someone who is a parent to Uh be able to do that for a kid or to maybe someone who ministers to the elderly. In a nursing home, those folks have gone through so much and have lost, in many cases, so much. And yet yeah. they need someone to come and just witness again, begin again, over and over again. I think that's the the dynamics it, through the whole life spectrum that being a disciple would incorporate, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, I think, I think you're right. In particular, just in this world, love requires suffering. In this world... Like love is oftentimes going to look like the cross. Um, That is the example of love on, on this side of heaven. And to be able to like, to be with people, to choose to love people, we have to like the only power, the only thing that empowers us to do that is like being with Jesus in the grace of the cross and the resurrection. And then it becomes a joy. Like I tell people from time to time, I can't think of a time when I have gotten a call to go to the hospital, like as a priest to go take care of somebody, where I've been excited about that. But every time I have left the hospital, I have been like, I have been full and I have been very glad that that I've gone. And at least in typical Louisiana, usually the minute I walk into the hospital, two or three other people grab me and say, well, can you also come to this room? And can you also come to that this room? And it it is like, it is the most inconvenient of things to get that call to go to the hospital. And it is entering into people when in they're paying, which is difficult. But boy, when I'm walking out of that hospital and getting in my truck to go back home, I say like to myself and to the Lord who dwells in me, like, thank you, Lord. Like, this is good. This is so good.
0: Amen. Hallelujah for that. This is how it happens. And Father Bryce, I'm just so glad that we had this time. I wish we had more. I think remaining with Jesus, the discipleship in the gospel of John is such a wonderful work. And I'm so glad it's anchored, you know, in that great gospel in that brings us and helps us remember that he is the Word, capital W, mm. that's important mm-hmm. to anchor in the Scriptures. It's something that is very alive. There are a lot of holy writings, right? I mean, even your book or about the the writings of saints—they're holy work, but there's nothing that's dynamic as the scriptures. There's nothing mm-hmm. that gives us that presence like the word, like the mm-hmm. the sacred scriptures, Is correct?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, it's it's the word of God in a way that no other thing is. God is the author of the Bible, and so we ought to we ought to read it and meditate on it to encounter Him, like Paul says. Uh, the word of God strikes the heart, right? And pierces more surely than the Jewish sword. So we have to let the word of God like pierce our heart with the love of Jesus.
0: Well, and while you're doing that, have this remaining with Jesus right next to that book, that holy sacred book, have your book with right there. Father Bryce, any final thoughts?
1: The the thing that comes to mind is that the most important thing is to pray, is to encounter the Lord. So remaining with Jesus is meant to be something that helps you to understand the gospel better, to receive the graces that come in the gospel better, and then to live the gospel better. So uh, if if for anyone who's going to do me the honor of reading this little book that I wrote, my encouragement to you is to stop and to pray, to use the questions at the end of the chapter in your own prayer, perhaps with a small group too, like your family. that's That's what the stuff at the end of the chapter is there for, to help you to pray. But at the same time, I don't care if you use something in the chapter. I care if you pray. Yes, that's my encouragement. But the whole point is to encounter Jesus. And so if, if you do me the honor of reading this little book that I wrote, don't stop at reading it. But like let it open your heart to prayer and to encounter the, the God who gave us the scripture.
0: Amen. I'm going to say it again. Amen to that. <laughs> I just think friends should gather this. And it's such a beautiful sharing. And I just want to encourage I say it over and over again in this conversation. I don't always do that, but I do in this one. Remaining with Jesus, discipleship in the Gospel of John. I just highly recommend it. And I am so grateful for your time today, Father Bryce.
1: Oh, thank you, Chris. It's been a, a blessing to to be with you.
0: Can we have a, your priestly blessing to close us out?
1: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord let His face shine upon you and show you His mercy. May the Lord look upon you kindly and bring you peace. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon you and remain with you forever.
0: Amen. Thank you, Father Bryce.
1: Thank you, Chris. It's been been a joy.
0: With Father Bryce Higginbotham, we have gone inside the pages of Remaining with Jesus, Discipleship in the Gospel of John. To learn more about this book or to obtain a copy, go to LoyolaPress.com or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit DiscerningHearts.com or you can find it in the free Discerning Hearts app or wherever you download your podcasts. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation programs freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Inside the Pages Insights. From today's most compelling authors.